Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you are listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. I want to thank you all for joining with me today. We got a special guest, but before we introduce this guest, I want to ask you a plea. Listen, we did it, guys. We got to 100 reviews on uh, on the Apple Podcast app, and I'm not sure what we have on the other ones, but that was the one we were focusing on. But don't stop there. We want to get to 150 now. I mean, you guys have already set the bar. Let's keep going. So if you just take a minute, give us a five-star review, that'd be greatly appreciated. We love hearing from you. We love your feedback. And I know there's a lot of extra mile people out there. So if you want to take that extra mile, that next step and give us a written review, we'd love to have that as well. We've had quite a few written reviews since we've been uh, we've been asking for them and they've been overwhelmingly positive. We totally appreciate you, our listeners. And it's content like this that we want to provide you. So if you just want to go ahead and give us a review, it helps with search engine optimization, helps with our rankings. It also helps with some of the topics like today that we're going to discuss that people are searching for those that comes up with our podcast. So thank you so much again to our readers, our listeners, and our supporters. Without you guys, we're not here. So thank you again. Well, what I did is I said, you know what? Who do we need to get on the podcast? And I said, we have a conservative think tank here in Anchorage that puts out phenomenal research, provides great, uh, I say, guidance for policy. And, and they spent a lot of time doing this. So I contacted the Alaska Policy Forum and I said, hey, who are your two ch- top people that I can talk to? And without a doubt, Bethany Markham, who is the CEO, executive director, she has many titles, said, you need to talk to two people. And one of those is Quinn Townsend. Quinn, thank you so much for joining with me today. Thanks for having me. Hey, Quinn, could you tell us a little bit about sort of your background, uh, what you do at the Alaska, Alaska Policy Forum, and kind of uh, what are some of your specialties? Sure. So my background is I have an education in economics, a master's degree in natural resource economics from West Virginia University. Um, We worked a lot with with the school in Anchorage, so that was cool. Um, And in terms of work history, I before grad school, I worked for an organization in Ohio um, that's pretty similar to Alaska Policy Forum, but focused specifically in Ohio. And I worked mostly on tax policy. Um, And so we focused a lot on how to improve the tax system in Ohio and um, surrounding states. So that's my background Um, at Alaska Policy Forum. I'm the policy manager. So I work on all of our policy issues. Um, That includes education policy, the state budget, taxes, healthcare. We did business liability protection. so a, a wide variety of, of topics. You guys do a lot over there. And if you don't know, you can go to their website. It's Alaska Policy Forum, one word, dot org. And I mean, you guys put out incredible content. Of course, I have it up here on the screen so I can look at everything. And not only that, but just a side note, as a guy who's been in IT before, the, the user interface on this is kind of nice. So you guys did a great okay. job with that. 
But you've talked to you talked to us a little bit about some of the things that you're you're kind of geared towards and a lot of the policy you focus on. And and one of those policies that I'm really interested to kind of engage with you in today is is the idea of education and more specifically school choice. You've done a lot of research and a lot of background on that. Sort of, uh, can you set that up for a lot of our listeners? What do we have here in Alaska, and where do you see, at least policy-wise, we should be moving towards? Sure. The bottom line is that education in Alaska, um, education outcomes in Alaska are not great, um, especially with reading and mathematics, um, third through ninth grade scores very below proficient, which is unfortunate. Um, we want Alaskan students to be able to read and, and be able to do math. Um, there is in, in terms of policy or school choice, there is a great, there's great support for homeschooling. Um, and this past year has been very interesting with online and pods um, and all of the mixture that, that families are doing. Um, but we really want all of those choices to be, to be supported in Alaska, not just public school, like your traditional brick and mortar school um, or public charter school or homeschool. Um, private schools should be, can be, families who want to put their children in private school should be supported. Um, so our, our big thing is um, there should not be one size fits all education because every family and every student has different needs and, um, and funding should go to those families rather than the institutions um, because it's, the families and the students we want to support, right? Not just, yeah. not the institutions. Um, so we do we do a lot of work, uh, a lot of work with that. So right now, would it be fair to categorize the fact that the state provides a certain stipend per student and the policy right now is this, the money follows the, the residential address of the student for the school. Is that a correct yeah. statement to make? Pretty much, I, yeah. Okay, as opposed to what what you're pr proposing, or at least the Alaska Policy Forum is proposing, based on your research, which is the money should follow the student as opposed to the address. Yeah, so um, in some states, they do a voucher system where um, families get a certain dollar amount to spend on approved educational opportunities, and that could be online programs, that could be tutoring support for after school. It could be a variety of things. Um, yeah, so there's lots of options we could we could do with that, but we really want to support families um, to choose to choose what's best for their for their students. One of the reasons why I wanted to, to kind of focus on this was a couple of different things. One is our national climate right now, which is you're seeing across the board parents starting to become more engaged and in, in particularly we're seeing this in the uh, school board meetings. A lot of these uh, parents who had probably maybe before no idea what their students were being taught uh, have been become aware of particular curriculum. I mean, you can go to critical race theory, you can go to a lot of different things. So parents are becoming more involved and you're seeing this across the country. And unfortunately, that's sort of being demoted by it looks like the federal government. Yeah. But what you're advocating for is, is family choice. What's best for the family? What do you get? What's the pushback to that? That seems like a very rational thought, very rational idea. I mean, uh, I know that for me, I want whatever's being taught at home to also be echoed in the place of education. I don't want um, I don't want what my kids being taught at home to be counter to what they're being taught at their place of education, school, whatever. So what's the pushback here, particularly in Alaska, 
to school choice? So the main pushback for um, a more broad school choice in Alaska is the Blaine Amendment. It's part of the Constitution. Um, it was implemented during a time um, time in America that was very anti-Catholic um, because at the time there were, so it's aimed, was originally aimed specifically at private Catholic schools. Um, they didn't want the state funding private Catholic schools. Um, but the way the Blaine Amendment is written and set up and the way that it has been, um, the way the Supreme Court has talked about it has made it very inflexible. Mm -hmm. um, and so it doesn't, it doesn't allow for, for the state to find families instead of institutions because school choice or more broadly vouchers or whatever, it's not supporting schools, it's supporting families. Right. And so thus, that that has also, a, I would assume, a ramification with school funding and what budgets would be as well, correct? Yes. Yeah, the school fund, this, yeah, education funding formula is complicated. I know they've, policymakers have talked about redoing it and there's, that's probably a whole nother issue. <laughs> so we have the issue of like, hey, we have this, uh, we have this dollar set about for a child. Uh, and if you have one child or four children, whatever the dollar amount is set. And so we have this sort of, we want the money to follow the kid, not necessarily the address for the school district. And mm -hmm. then there's this other set, which is school funding in terms of budgetary um, analysis and projections and whatnot. So the the issue is complicated, but the fundamental yeah. root is we need to be able to say, hey, we want to support families as opposed to we just want to support school districts. Is that mm -hmm. a fair statement? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So my question to you then goes, let's go to 2020 into 2021, which was coronavirus, right? We got COVID-19 that hit. What were, do you guys have any analysis right now? Or are you digging into sort of the, the long-term or maybe even the short-term would be a better question effects of online schooling uh, with outcomes? Are we going to see a cataclysmic drop in some of these outcomes that are already uh, a challenge in Alaska in terms of mathematics and reading and whatnot? So we did just release a report about um, the PEAKS data, which if you are a parent with um, a third through ninth grader in school, I'm sure you know what that is. It's um, just a standardized test that Alaskan students take for reading and for mathematics. Um, the data for last school year um, is not complete, so it's harder there's a warning when you're comparing last year to previous years. However, we feel it's still important to look at the results um, because just because the U.S. Department of Education said, oh, you don't have to test, it's okay. We think that parents and the public and policymakers should still be holding, holding schools accountable for what's happening with our children. Um, so, the results of the peaks testing this for 2020 um, were not good. I think for for all students, so between third and ninth grade, um, reading proficiency, so reading scores below proficient was 60 over 60 percent of all students, um, and math was closer to. Let me pull it up right now so I don't tell you the wrong number. All students. Um, were 
there was 67.6% of all students below proficient in math, uh, which is a drop from, from 2019. And I need to correct myself. These scores are from the 2021, not 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the, and again, if you if you haven't had a chance to look at this, I would highly recommend it. It's it's on their homepage at the alaskapolicyforum.org. It's called under the title Peaks Performance 2021, the pandemic did Alaska students no favors. And it's got, listen, if, if you're like me, I, I love graphs. I love seeing analysis put into graphs and word pictures. So this is great. And uh, through the 2017 to 2021 season, you can see a line graph of the actual proficiency percentage of both English and mathematics. And it's frankly stunning in the mathematics department that uh, in 2018, we had a 35.72% proficiency, it says on here. And that dropped uh, over three points in 2021, which just goes to show you that uh, Alaska students are, are falling even further behind in some of these basic um, criteria when, when kind of determining educational outcomes. And so with this data, how, how can, I think one of the questions really a lot of people have is, hey, even if I did have a voucher that could send my kids to private school or do homeschool or whatnot, uh, I don't know if I could use that because I don't know if I could transport them to private school or whatnot. Are there other outcomes, other policies that we can be enacting for Alaska to help raise the proficiency percentage of a lot of these students? Because it seems we're always in the bottom fourth in, in mm -hmm. many schooling uh indicators so is there is there things that you guys have looked at or talked about or even maybe some uh, articles that you've written that provide policies or policy recommendations for that at all yes um there is a policy that we've been working on for several years it should be an easy win because all alaskans should want alaskan students to succeed um, it's called it's called read by nine um and it's a policy that that um that helps third graders to make sure that third graders are proficient in reading before they move on to fourth grade. Um, because lots of research shows that um, third grade is that time um, that you need to learn how to read so that you can read to learn other subjects moving forward. So um, just let me ask you, for those who are listening, that's HB 164, correct? I think that's House Bill 164. So, yeah. Don't quote me on that. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. So this this, uh, this that, policy you're working, go ahead. I just want to clarify that um, the read by nine, that bill is not ours. We don't write bills or, or anything like that. We simply um, present good policy and policymakers make changes that we may or may not agree with. Sure. So this read by nine bill, so you were saying, just to, to reiterate, the idea is, is that the, by third grade, a, a student's outcome can be determined by their literacy rate at that age? Often, yes. Okay. And, and so what are we seeing currently in Alaska? Are we seeing that that's been at a, the, same, the same percentage numbers as we're seeing on a lot of these peak tests? Yeah, we rank in the very bottom 49th 50th depending on the year um for third grade literacy um across the nation which is really sad it is sad so the idea behind this is that we would we would have a baseline before we move on the students would move on so that they have a better chance a better outcome of success academically yes. what's mm -hmm. the pushback on this um 
I think in the past, the past few years, part of it was COVID ended session very early in 2020. Um, Other, and that's just a timing thing, which is unfortunate. Um, And of course, in the world of politics, lots of other things get put into bills. And as a, as a nonprofit, a 501c3, we don't, um, we're not involved in the actual bill writing or anything like that. So that's something that we don't have control over, which. Sure. Sure. We, we, we piggyback other yeah. items on the bill that make it almost. Yes. Unfortunately, I'm, I, I do know what you're talking about there. Well, I, I think in the long run, Alaska can only go up in the educational process in terms of very optimistic. Yes. Yes. So we can only go up, which is great. And uh, like I said, if you haven't had a chance to look at some of this, uh, whether it's just information or, you know, the, the recommendations of Alaska policy forum, I'd recommend you do that. They do some phenomenal stuff and it's really easy to navigate the site to figure out where some of those, uh, some of those topics are, but what I want to do now is I want to switch. And if you've, you've, you're listening to this right now, we're going to get into some minutia, but I think it's really important that you hear this. So if you're, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, oh, we're going to start talking about state budgets and, oh, uh, that sounds boring. Uh, the problem is, is that you don't know this and you're getting bamboozled sometimes because there's a lot of politicians and a lot of policymakers that like to sweet talk you and tell you what you want to hear as opposed to the reality. And that's why Quinn's with me. Because Quinn is a savant with the numbers. I'm tell- I'm saying that. She did not say that. I'm giving her praise. Thank but, you. Qu- yeah. Quinn, talk to us a little bit about the budget. Overall, there's been a lot of talk. Obviously, budget, we're in a deficit. We're not in a deficit. We need the PFD. That's why we're commandeering 50 plus percent of it. Uh, no, we don't need that. We need to. Can you just give us right now a general overview of the landscape of Alaska and particularly the state budget? Sure. So this past year, um, if you ever want to look at graphs of the budget, we've got, we've got, I've got some on our website. Um, so if you want to follow along on our website, uh, the myth of Alaska's 40% budget cuts is what you want to look for. Um, so this past year, um, a lot of people were saying the budget has been cut by 40%, or some people were saying even more, which is a large number. Um, yeah. And they're, and they were saying the budget has been cut as much as it can be. We can't cut it anymore. And in fact, we need to talk about uh, additional revenue streams because we just can't afford everything that we need to. Um, that's not true. Um, we've found the the first problem with that statement is that the budget that enacted bill that legislators pass that the governor signs is different than total state spending because after the budget is passed, there's additional spending that happens that is approved in retrospect. So it's get, it gets spent and then agencies or whoever it is, sometimes it's because of emergencies, mm-hmm. um, but people come to legislators and they're like, well, we spent over the budget. So now you have to prove it because we already spent the money. Um, so the first thing to know about the state budget is when you're listening to someone talk about it, are they talking about the budget, that bill that is passed, or are they talking about total state spending? Because they should right. be talking about total state spending. Okay. Um, so the budget has not been cut by 40%. And by budget, we at Alaska Policy Forum 
are almost always talking about total state spending. Um, and if we are talking about only the enacted budget, we make sure to clarify that. Um, but we really found that total state spending um, only decreased by, let's see, the operating budget, which is most of total of most of total state spending, um, only was only cut by 18.5%. Um, and one of the largest portions of state spending is the cost of state government. So the cost of running the government, um, right. it only decreased by 8.8%. Um, those are a far cry from 40% cut. For sure. So just to clarify, to make sure we're, we're our listeners are understanding, there's this, there's this, there's this idea of a total state budget that gets passed. And then what yeah. ends up happening is uh, when all set and done and all the receipts are turned in and people that go over their budget go, oops, can you add more to this and more to that? The reality is it's not a 40% cut, but it's an 18.8% cut. For the operating budget. Mm -hmm. Right. And out of that 18.8%, eight or so percentage actually comes from the operation of government itself. Yeah. So we're not even really cutting into a lot of social programs. That 10% that's quote left over are, are different uh, budgetary cuts that may have been even more, but by the end of the actual fiscal year, it shows that, oh yeah, we overspent. So we, you know, we ask, we I guess the best way to put this for any parent out there is you ask for forgiveness as opposed to permission at that point. Yeah. So where where do you see in in the future of Alaska, where are some areas in the budget that we could really look at uh, cutting expenditures and how do we how do we hold um, those in, in positions of spending accountable for that? Because it seems like they have the opportunity to go, oh, I actually spent over a million dollars. Just fill in the gap, dad. You know, what, what can we do for that? Yeah. So the first thing is. Um implementing a spending cap, a constitutional spending cap. And um, if you're state budget savvy, you might know that um, we Alaska does have a con constitutional spending cap already um, that was put in place in the 80s, I think the 80s. Um, and it was very large. So it's pretty much meaningless at this point um, because it's so large. There's, It would be very hard to spend that much. Like there's no way Alaska would have um, enough money to, to spend up to the, the current spending cap. So, okay. um, so a revised constitutional spending cap that says you can't spend, total spending cannot be more than um, X amount. And that X amount, there's lots of different ways to formulate it. Um, um, but at the end of the day, we should be holding, Alaskans should be holding, um, the state responsible for the money that they're spending. The state should be spending money responsibly. Um, right. So that's another project that we put out um, at every year at the beginning of the year is, is a project called the Responsible Alaska Budget, where we come out with a number that says, hey, legislators, this is a really good standard. You should spend less than this amount. Um, so that's one way to hold hold the state responsible. But at the end of the day, if a spending cap isn't passed, our responsible Alaska budget number is just a number that we're saying that 
that it can't actually be enforced. Um, so yeah, those are the two most important things uh, are the spending cap and then just talking about is the state spending money responsibly? Mm. So when it comes to the spending cap, obviously, uh, we haven't passed a, a spending cap that's lower than the ones that were happened in the 80s. So what is the pushback to that? Is is it the flexibility that that legislators like to have? Is it I mean, if we're not going to ever reach that number, uh, at least currently, what is the what is the harm in actually saying, OK, we're going to hold account? Well, maybe I've just answered my own question accountability, but why has there been pushback or why has there not been any sort of legislation brought up? There have been lots of bills this past year um, proposed and there's been lots of reasons why nothing has moved forward. Um, But I think think some of the pushback has been that flexibility that you mentioned um, Mm because there are emergencies that happen. I mean, the pandemic is a good example of something that nobody was expecting um, and required required funding, emergency funding. Um, however, if a spending cap is, is written correctly, is formulated correctly, it takes that into account. Um, so it should. So typically emergencies like disasters um, or something like the pandemic, uh, typically wouldn't be included in that spending limit because right. it's and, that you can plan for. And also, is there, uh, would the Federal's CARES Act money, the money for the, the pandemic, does that get included in the budget or is that an auxiliary, like almost side holding that is used mm-hmm. during during this time? Is, is that incorporated or no? So a spending cap um, would, only, would only cap state funds, so state spending. So it wouldn't include money coming from the federal government, which a lot of money from the federal government comes to Alaska. So federal funds are not included. Um, And that's the same for when we as an organization are talking about state spending, we are talking about state funds, not not money from the federal government. Good. Thank you for clarifying that. My next question, obviously, is a hot button topic for every Alaskan. I think in and again, I'm not born and raised in Alaska. I've lived in Alaska. This is my second stint. And obviously the PFD is a big part of this, right? So, um, you know, and it started with Governor Walker starting to siphon the PFD off of uh, Alaskans to use for budgetary reasons or otherwise. And that's kind of been the process the legislators have taken in the last eight, 10 years. Uh, Governor Dunleavy ran off that. Um, I think we were all hopeful that was going to happen. But at the end of the day, you know, the legislature has to pass a PFD that's going to be paid out. Would a spending cap actually help the PFD? Or is that just a different problem that's just that's just on its own? Like we're never going to be able we're, we're going to have to do a constitutional amendment. Like what what is the how does the spending cap affect the PFD? And then we'll get to the PFD question later. Um, I think that's part of part of the pushback and conversation around spending cap when you're writing that bill is what is included. Uh, Alaska right. Policy Forum as an organization does not have an opinion um, or a, a policy opinion um, regarding the PFD. So gotcha. that's pretty much all I can say about it. Sure, absolutely. Well, I'll talk a little bit about it then, so you don't have to talk about it. I think a lot of people are just wondering if the siphoning of their PFD has a lot to do with 
uh, irresponsible spending by the legislator, the body itself, and the idea that we have to hold up every program. And I think a lot of people on more probably on the conservative side, many people that probably listen to this podcast to enjoy it as opposed to try to get dirt off it, uh, would are interested in that topic. And obviously, I know that the APF does not have a position on the PFD, but it's very interesting. Where are some areas in the budget that you think, based on your research, that we could really look at outside of a spending cap to maybe um, look at future um, ways to help balance a budget or to keep a budget within a healthy cap? Sure, you could. Um, I'll, sh I'll share two ideas that are sure. very different. Um, one is to rethink how the budget, um, how that budget number is calculated every year. Um, so currently the budget is calculated as agencies or whoever looks looks at what their budget was last year and decides how it needs to change from last year's budget. Um, it might be more responsible to, to implement what is called a zero-based budget where agencies start at zero and prove why they need the money they're asking for. Um, that's one way. <laughs> one way, because instead of just building off of last year's budget and last right. year's budget, um, because we Something all know more. how budgets work, right? Like if you have a $200,000, you're buying everybody a brand new chair and a desk to make sure that you get that same, at least that same yeah. budgetary number the following year. Yeah. Yeah. So something more specific that we've worked on recently is a report regarding the Alaska Marine Highway System. That's one portion of the state of state spending. Um, and we have a lot of ideas about how to keep transportation for Alaskans without um, increasing funding for AMHS that might not be responsible. And um, yeah, we have a lot of ideas. None of them, not one single idea is going to completely fix the ferry system and um, you know, get transportation, super easy, fast transportation for everyone in Alaska. Right. That's, but, at the end of the day, we really think that the private sector can work alongside AMHS and um, and that there are there are ways to to keep Alaska's Alaskans connected without spending lots of state money on the Alaska Marine Highway system. Absolutely. I do not. I mean, I could not do your job looking at numbers and budgets and all that. That's why I read all the stuff that you guys do and you do because it's awesome. Well, we are out of time, but I want to thank you, Quinn, so much for joining with us. Hopefully this wasn't painful for you. No, thank you for having me on. I appreciate <laughs> hey, it. Hey, no problem. I just want to let Alaskans know this is what we do. We want to make sure that you're informed and we have people like Quinn who are, who are able to navigate budgets and, and provide great opportunities for you to understand what's going on in Alaska. And if you haven't yet, I would recommend doing a, a bookmark on your uh, on your browser here for alaskapolicyforum.org. It's a great place to get some great conservative think tank ideas. They are, they are phenomenal and I really do appreciate them. And I wanna thank Quinn for joining with me today. Quinn, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, if you wanna to continue to support Must Read Alaska and you wanna make sure that you uh, get this content on a daily basis, weekly basis, we're putting out stories at mustreadalaska.com. You can do so by going to the top right of mustreadalaska.com and hitting that donation button. It really helps. Anything helps to 
make sure that we can continue to provide this content to you and get great guests like Quinn every week. Also, if you haven't yet, you got to like us on Facebook. You got to follow us on YouTube. Hit that notification bell. We're on MeWe, Rumble, Parlor, Twitter. I can't think of the rest of them. There's just too many of them. But we're all under the same handle, which is must read Alaska. That's one word. Again, guys, thank you so much. I want to thank Quinn again and the Alaska Policy Forum for allowing me to have this conversation. And if, again, keep up to date with all the great ideas and policy uh, suggestions, you can go to their website. But until next time, take care, Alaska. Mm-hmm.